Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Howdy and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. Today we are in the book of Judges, Judges chapter six to be specific, where we are going to be introduced to a brand new judge who happens to be Gideon. And Gideon is a very unique person, very interesting character. And uh, one of my personal favorite judges, actually, I I do enjoy uh, Gideon. He is a unique person. But before we do anything today, I do want to say that I am deeply sorry and I am praying for all the people who are in Hawaii right now and has had to deal with these absolutely horrific and terrible fires that went on. You're in my prayers. I am sorry for how the government is treating you. I am sorry for the loss of your family members and for the property that you lost. I was actually just reading Jeremiah in my personal study, and I got to one of the chapters where where God sent a letter through Jeremiah to the exiles that were living in Babylon, and God said, I am working it out for your good. And that's actually where God quotes the famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. But just know that uh, not just me, but tons of people are praying for everybody in Hawaii right now that is going through this terrible, terrible thing. So let's read Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24 today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I usually do. Grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea this morning, and let's learn about Gideon. Yahweh's angel came and sat under the oak, which was in opera, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite. His son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Yahweh's angel appeared to him and said to him, Yahweh is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wondrous works which our fathers told us of, saying, Didn't Yahweh bring us up out of Egypt? But now Yahweh has cast us off and delivered us into the hand of Midian. Yahweh looked at him and said, Go in this your might and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Haven't I sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. He said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is you who talk to me. Please don't go away until I come to you and bring out my present and lay it before you. He said, I will wait till you come back. Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes of an ephah of meal. He put the meat in a basket and put the broth in a pot and brought it out to him under the oak and presented it. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. He did so. Then Yahweh's angel stretched out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire went up out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. Then Yahweh's angel departed out of his sight. Gideon saw that he was Yahweh's angel, and Gideon said, Alas, Lord Yahweh, because I have seen Yahweh's angel face to face. Yahweh said to him, Peace be to you. Don't be afraid, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to Yahweh and called it, Yahweh is peace. To this day, it is still an opera of the Abizarites. Okay, for the life of me, I could not figure out how to say the word Ophra. Opera, Oprah, I do not know how to how to say this town. So I just decided to go with opera. 
<laughs> Even though I'm going to guess that is probably not correct. It's probably Ofra, honestly. But I'm going to go with Opera. So starting in verse 11. Yahweh's angel came and sat under the oak, which was in Opera, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite. His son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So you all remember that the Midianites were extremely cruel, and it kind of seems like the Midianites so far have been the cruelest to Israel over every other nation so far that has come in and like tried to oppress Israel since the beginning of, of Judges. The Midianites were extra cruel because they would come in and literally starve the Israelites. They would like take all the meat, all the animals, all the wine, all the wheat, just everything that they could possibly take from Israel. They were taking from Israel, including their homes and stuff, because the Israelites had to like live in caves to hide from the Midianites. And so eight years passed with Israel being oppressed by the Midianites so terribly And so now it says that this ordinary person named Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So typically you don't think of somebody beating out wheat in a wine press. A lot of times beating out wheat would happen like outside because the chaff would be blown away by the wind, not in the bottom of like a hot and icky wine press. It would be very difficult to beat out wheat in a wine press. But that's what the Israelites were resorting to in order to hide the food from the Midianites. So they would hide it by beating it out in these obscure places that the Midianites wouldn't think to look. But God knew exactly where Gideon was. God knew exactly where Gideon was hiding the food. And so it says Yahweh's angel appeared to Gideon as he was beating out the uh, wheat in the wine press. Now we know that this angel, once again, was God himself or Jesus, most likely the second person of the Trinity, because Gideon calls Yahweh's angel Lord, not to mention that verse 14 actually calls Yahweh's angel Yahweh. And the Bible never, ever, ever gives glory to angels, right? To regular old messengers, because that's what angel means. The Bible only gives glory to God himself. So once again, this was most likely Jesus before Jesus came down to earth as a baby. This was Yahweh's angel. But verse 14 calls this angel Yahweh. So Yahweh's angel comes and sits under this oak tree that was in Oprah or opera. I would guess this oak tree was above the wine press. And I would guess that Yahweh's angel like looked down in the wine press at Gideon, like beating out the wheat and was like, hello there, mighty man of valor. Yahweh is with you. (laughs) So Gideon says to this angel, oh, my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? I don't know what was going through Gideon's mind. He is one of the few people that like encounters Yahweh himself that doesn't basically freak out and die. And the reason I would guess that that Gideon didn't freak out like all the other uh, people do is because he didn't even recognize that this was Yahweh, as is pretty evident because of the story, actually. So Gideon probably thought he was just talking to a normal person. This means that this messenger looked very similar to you and I. And so Gideon says to him, oh, my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, then why has all this happened to us? 
You know, where are all of his wondrous works, which our fathers told us of saying, didn't Yahweh bring us up from Egypt? So Gideon immediately blames God for the oppression of the Midianites. He's like, you know, well, if God's with us, where is he? You know, how could all this terrible stuff happen to us if God truly is with us? If he's with us, why aren't things going well for us? Why do I have to beat this wheat in the the bottom of a wine press instead of out in the open fields? Why do I have to hide everything? Where is God if you claim God is with us? That's, That's the question of a lot of people. So many times in scripture, It always says, God is with you, don't be afraid. God is with you, don't be afraid. And even here, God himself, Yahweh himself, is telling Gideon, hey, God is with you, don't be afraid. And Gideon's like, oh yeah, well where? And that's always the response that humans have because we live in a fallen world and there's there's so much corruption all around us. We often forget that Satan exists and that Satan wreaks havoc and causes a lot of issues in the world and will continue to until Jesus comes back and puts Satan in his place. Satan exists. And even here with the Midianites taking over Israel, the Israelites themselves caused this. That was what I talked about on Monday. Because of the Israelites' sin and worship of the Amorite gods at this time period, the people stopped trusting in Yahweh. Midian comes in and begins to oppress Israel. So as soon as the Israelites begin calling out to Yahweh again, Yahweh's angel appears to Gideon and tells Gideon like, hey, you're a mighty man of valor and I'm going to help you. I am here with you. But Gideon's first response is to blame God for the sins of the Israelites. Why has Yahweh cast us off and delivered us into the hand of Midian? And here's what's so amazing about Yahweh's angel. He doesn't even respond to that accusation. He says nothing. You know, God gets blamed all the time and God doesn't have to stick up for himself to anybody. And he rarely does. Actually, I can't even think of a time where God does stick up for himself after people accuse him. There's a uh, parable I'm remembering that Jesus talked about in the New Testament. It was a parable about how each man received a number of talents, right? which is money. And two of the men went and took their talents that they received and made them even greater. So one guy got 10 talents and he doubled it and got 20 talents at the end. And the second guy doubled his talents and got more in the end. But the third guy went and hid his talents in the ground and then blamed God at the end. Well, God, you know, I got money from you, but I hid it because you're scary. (laughs) You're scary and you're cruel. And what was so interesting about that parable was that God did not stick up for himself at the end. God said to the guy that buried his talent, he was like, well, you knew I was scary. So why in the world would you bury your talent? You know, you you knew yourself that I'm a scary guy. So why would you not do what these other two guys did and go and double your money? Why would you just hide it away? That's ridiculous. It's so interesting, like God rarely sticks up for himself. And here, Yahweh's angel doesn't even address Gideon's concern about how God cast them off, right? Here's what verse 14 says instead. Yahweh looked at him and said, go in your might and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Haven't I sent you? So Gideon says to him, 
Lord, how shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, I do not believe that Gideon meant um, the poorest wealth-wise. I would guess this is talking about how his family is just weak in general. Maybe it's a smaller family. Maybe, um, maybe Gideon was like trying to be humble here. And he also says, I am the least in my father's house. So maybe Gideon was just not loved as well as his other brothers were. I don't know. But for some reason, Gideon thought himself very weak. This is a common excuse that people like to make in order to not do what God tells them to do. Oh, you know, I, I'm just not cut out for that. I'm too weak. You know, I'm not ready for this. You know, God put too much burden of responsibility on me. This is such a common excuse people make. It's similar to Moses, actually. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, Moses was basically like, I can't go and talk to the people. I can't even say, I can't even string two words together, you know? So how am I going to be a messenger to the people? But it turns out Moses was an excellent messenger and God knew that about Moses. But Moses made the excuse, I cannot speak. Gideon's doing the same thing here. The difference between Gideon and Moses, though, is that Gideon only had to be told twice to go do it. <laughs> Whereas Moses, I think he was told like four times to go do it and like was so reluctant to be the um, deliverer of Israel. But Gideon at least only had to be told twice, I guess. So he's like, I'm the poorest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family's house, which is the poorest in all of Manasseh. So Yahweh says to him, surely I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So Gideon responds, if I have found favor in your sight, that is an old fashioned statement that the Hebrews used to make. He says, if I have found favor in your sight, if you like me now, God, then show me a sign that it is you who talks to me. Please don't go away until I bring you a present. So, um, Basically, Gideon asks for a sign. So maybe maybe he did have to be told more than twice. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he definitely did have to be told more than twice because he asks for many, many signs, actually, and God does give him a lot of signs. So never mind. Erase what I just said about Gideon having to be told twice and then he went to go do it. He had to be told probably as many times as Moses. Okay, so Gideon asks for a sign that it is truly Yahweh speaking to him. And so he goes home he finds a goat and some unleavened cakes about an ephah of meal. It says an ephah is 22 liters or two thirds of a bushel. That is a ton, a ton of grain. So this is why I don't believe that Gideon's family was poor. <laughs> it was because remember what I said about how the Midianites would come and take all the food. Somehow Gideon had enough food that he was able to provide this very generous meal to God. He had a goat, right? He had meat. And that was probably very hard to come by at this time period. And he also had an entire ephah of meal, not to mention that he had to provide for his family as well. And we will find out that he has a ton, a ton of family. But that's a story for later on. He's able to bring this gift to Yahweh's angel. And this was a very, very expensive gift, especially for this time period 
where the Midianites were coming and taking everything away. So it says he put the meat in the basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought it out to him under the oak and presented this delicious meal. So the angel of God says to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. So Gideon did so. (laughs) So he brings Jesus this meal and Jesus is immediately like, okay, well now dispose of it. (laughs) At least Gideon did it. And so Gideon did it. I wonder if he did it reluctantly. He's probably like, "Uh, this is a lot of food I'm giving to you right now. That's what I would be thinking. I'm very stingy. I I am very, very stingy. I know I am. I grew up as a cheapskate and I'm still a cheapskate. And uh, I, I can just imagine what's going through Gideon's mind right now where he's just like, I don't have a lot of food. And now you're asking me to like totally dispose of all this. But Gideon does it. And Yahweh's angel stretches out the end of the staff that was in his hand. And he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire went up out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. Then Yahweh's angel departed out of his sight. So Gideon saw that he was Yahweh's angel and Gideon said, Alas, Lord Yahweh, because I have seen Yahweh's angel face to face. So this miracle takes place. Yahweh's angel was like holding this staff in his hand and he touches the staff to the rock and basically presents Gideon's offering as a burnt offering. A burnt offering, just think about the Israelites at this time period. A burnt offering was something very, very special to the Israelites, especially now that they didn't have much to give to the temple, especially now they didn't have much to give to God at all because all their animals were taken away. So this was the perfect miracle to show Gideon this this miracle of a burnt offering that Gideon gives to Yahweh. So immediately the angel disappears and Gideon is distraught. He's like, alas, I'm going to die because I have seen Yahweh's angel face to face. So he finally figures out that it was Yahweh himself that he has just seen. And Gideon thinks he's about to die. So it's a little bit uh, late. Gideon's a little late to the game, but finally he figures it out and now he thinks he's going to die. So Yahweh says to him, peace be to you. Don't be afraid. You shall not die. Now, I don't know how Yahweh spoke to Gideon in this way, but maybe Yahweh just like put a message in his head through the Holy Spirit. Maybe this was when Gideon received the Holy Spirit, actually, because we know that the judges had God's spirit. So possibly this is the moment in which Gideon receives the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit puts this thought in Gideon's head where he's just like, just have peace. It's okay. Or maybe God's voice like spoke out from the sky. We don't know how God spoke to Gideon here, but Gideon receives the message. Peace be to you. Don't be afraid. You shall not die. So Gideon, in fact, feels peace because that's what God brings. This was the most tumultuous time so far in Israel's history, other than Egypt, basically. And yet Gideon, who has just been called to do something so scary, has this abundance of peace. And that's what God can give to us. Even in the most tumultuous times, God is able and willing, actually, to give peace. 
And so Gideon receives this amazing peace. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? Peace I leave with you. I don't give as the world gives. I give peace. That's one of the ways that you know God exists. When you have peace at a time when the world would be freaking out. And I've experienced people like that. People who have peace when you would imagine that they shouldn't have peace. One of the people I've talked about on this podcast before, his name is John Dreggy. And he died recently. He died right in the middle of COVID. And he didn't die from COVID. He died because he had a brain tumor. But if anybody had peace, it was John Dreggy. He came and spoke at my church. And uh, he was running Ironmans while he had this terrible brain cancer. And he spoke with so much passion and so much peace in his life that he moved just the entire church to complete tears. And me seeing him speak when I was going through a tough time myself, that was one of the things that made me realize that God, in fact, was real. Because that is not heard of, to have that amount of peace when you are going through something so incredibly terrible. And yet that is what God gives. He gives this peace that the world could never, ever, ever give you and that the world certainly doesn't have. So Gideon builds an altar there to Yahweh and calls it Yahweh is peace. So as of the time that this book was written, this altar still stood Yahweh Shalom. And that is who Yahweh is. He is the God of peace. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you have peace this week, but I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Until then, happy listening and God bless.